Hi, I'm Katrina, and I work at Guapa Aesthetics in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at LashesByKatrina. Cue the music! In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, this podcast was created so you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the LashCast podcast, and here's your host, Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you for tuning in today. We are excited to bring back one of our favorite people in the lash industry, Cheryl Pang from Untamed Artistry. She is a just a real blessing to the whole industry. If you aren't following already, you need to. This is uh, going to be our second time with her. She was earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year, but it was a huge episode. You guys loved it, and so we really felt like it would be great to have her come back and be a guest again today. But before we get to the episode where we're going to be talking about education and kind of like what's the purpose of education and, and maybe some of the issues that we see in our industry with education. Cheryl's coming on to our announcement section of the show to come on and say hello. So welcome to the show, Cheryl. Hi. Hi, Lash Nerds. I am Cheryl from the <laughs> rainy city of Vancouver. Yes. And uh, now that you're talking about this, I'm actually a little bit nervous about this episode. I'm not going to lie. I think there's a lot of controversy and there's a lot of things that I don't know how everyone's going to react to, but I'm just going to pray for the best. I think it'll be fine. I think when we talk about encouraging our education or our industry to say, you know what, does everything have to cost like an like a arm and leg? Do you have to go get a loan to go take a, a lash class uh, for a one-day course, right? Is it really worth that kind of money that you have to pay? I mean, I'm sure for the big ones, you can get good value, but I also think there's a, another way where you're, we're really serving our community better, and I, and I love what we talked about. I think it was, it was a good up talk, and I hope you guys will really like it. Yes, we will be stepping on toes, not to be mean or, or anything like that, but the goal is to open up the possibilities. Are there other ways? Like always with Tess and I, we, we did this podcast mainly because we want to say, you know what? There isn't one way of doing anything. There's many ways. And so there's people that can go out and charge and be the Mercedes. And there's someone else can go out and put out and bake a, a Pinto if those don't exist anymore. But whatever it is, the low end cars, there's enough room for everyone. It just depends on what you're looking for and what you're trying to do with your life and what you want to charge and what type of clients you want to serve. And the same comes with training, like who you're trying to train and why you're training. All these things have many variables and there's no one way of doing it. And we just want to see more possibilities so anyhow opening the conversation that's it yes exactly so we're not finishing the conversation today we are just starting the conversation so that said before we get into that though we brought cheryl on not uh, to just talk about what we're going to talk about because that's probably not too exciting but she has some exciting developments because if you guys don't know untamed artistry is one year old now their their anniversary i think was just a couple weeks ago and then they have a big thing coming up here in december and so we thought we'd have her come back during this little preview section of the podcast and have her share some exciting details Details with all you guys. All right. So, in the spirit of sharing, because it's holiday season, and at UA, we truly, truly believe, and it's one of our core value to make education as accurate um, and as accessible possible. So, in an effort to doing that, we actually went out our way to record a high budget training course. This is going to be a volume refresher course with three hours plus of premium content. Me and my team collectively have over two decades of experience in this industry. I know the industry is not that long, but together we have that much of experience. And we want to share that with our lash nerds. Most importantly, we want to share this for free. 
So on December 15th, we're going to be launching our very first free volume refresher course that is for everybody to take. Um, it's for beginners. If you just wanted to familiarize yourself with volume and knowing what you're getting yourself into before you take an official course, or for those who have already taken courses um, to refresh some of your memories, or even most importantly, just to see some of our nifty tricks and hacks that we've developed over the years. And I think that a lot of them are extremely useful. And I know they've been useful for me and my team. So this course will be available for everyone to download. Um, all you need to do is to go to our Instagram and go to our links and click free volume refresher course and you'll be able to sign up before December 15. And it will be available even after December 15. Let's just say it will be available for free for life for everyone. That's awesome. And, and really, this is kind of like a little preview of what we're about to talk about because this is going to step on some toes. I mean, I think some people are not going to be very excited to hear, wait a minute, you're giving volume training away for free? How are we all supposed to make money? And that's where I say the guys, the pie is big enough and it's not like there's only going to be one training as much as I'm sure this one is awesome. It's not the only training you need to take in your lifetime. I think you should definitely do it now because it's free for crying out loud. There's no reason not, but there's definitely enough room for us to give away trainings and then you go to the paid ones. They're all good. It's not, it's not yeah. one or the other. So, I do want to put a little disclaimer here. And this is the disclaimer that I've always tried to put out there that UA, it's never, ever trying to replace official trainings, no. certificates, and credentials. I think you should absolutely follow your state's regulations and acquiring the proper trainings and the proper certificates for the services that you want to provide. This is simply just our decades of experience that we want to share with our best friends. Yeah. Tricks that we found how to use tape better, how to apply easier. And it does not by any means replace a formal training. So if you're looking to learn and for you self-learners out there, I recognize you because I am one myself, but I want you to know that there's still a ton of values in getting proper formal training as well. Cool. Now, do when people do this, they go to your website, there'll be a, a link you go to, and I guess you don't pay, but you just you have to sign up, I'm assuming. It's not like it's on YouTube, right? Yeah. So this course, it's going to be just like any other online courses that you take. It's 15 chapters, and you can go at your own pace. You can go from beginning to end in sequence, or you can jump to the section that you care about most. There are small sections of five to 10 minutes long videos, mm. and they just cover varieties of... It, Basically, I would take you guys through beginning from preparation all the way to photographs, pricing, application, retentions, all of that. Great. So, guys, you definitely need to go to their website. This is coming out somewhere. It will be coming out most likely on my birthday, December 8th. So just a little shout out to myself. <laughs> uh, but that said, which is one week after my birthday, so December 15th. So you, you'll be hearing this probably the week, hopefully, just beforehand. So go get yeah. on your email list. If you're not on Cheryl's yeah. email list or Untamed, so. you'll get the – I'm sure once it's out, they'll email you. You can go on through, sign up for it, and get going with it. And definitely because – I mean, I've noticed one of the things about free training is sometimes people are less likely to get through it, but this, do this for yourself. This is, I know Cheryl, I know their integrity that they have. They're not just going to half-ass this. Um, they put a lot of time and money into this. And so for this, you, I promise it's not going to be just like some webinar, a free webinar that's just out there to get emails from people. That's not the, the goal. The goal is actually knowing them and their DNA is really to help you and grow you as a lash stylist. So please uh, definitely take the time and invest in yourself during the holidays. 
years after, well, probably after Christmas when things are a little bit slower, you'll probably have some time on your hands. We can sit down and just do one, what, one chapter a day maybe or every couple yeah. of days. And how long are the chapters usually? Uh, five to 10 minutes. Oh, so gosh, you can do that like your morning routine. Just throw it in there. Exactly. 10 minutes, see, hang out with Cheryl on the team and then go to work and, and practice what you learned that day. So I think it's a really great idea and I'm excited that we could announce it here on LashCast and to our family and our audience because I, I think we have a lot of the same people in our camps. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I think all Lashners like to hang out at LashCast as well. Yes. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy the course and I think it's my gift back to the community for supporting me and supporting the success of UA in our first year. Awesome. All right, guys, that's all we have for the announcements today. So let's get into the episode where Cheryl and me and Tuss sit down and we talk all about education in the lash industry. Enjoy. guys, we're here live in the LashCast studios. We're so excited to have a returning guest, Cheryl from Untamed Artistry. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. It's me again. Again. Yeah. We are so honored. Man, Cheryl, I think we could do a podcast every week. Maybe one day we will. <laughs> just like hang out. No, maybe more like every day. Yeah. We'll just do daily tips from Paul and Cheryl. And we'll call it the peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah, the peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, we have Cheryl on today because we were talking, gosh, for hours actually the other day about this. And I think it's a subject that we really need to talk about more, mm. and that is education and what is going on in the industry and, and all that. And so we want to get into that. But before we get into that, I thought first we just want to, you know, in case some people don't know who Cheryl is, uh, maybe Cheryl just give us a quick two-minute or one-minute little bio. Like, hey, I'm Cheryl. I run Untamed Artistry, the nerdiest brand on the planet. So, you know, people know who you are. Sure. So basically you want my elevator pitch. The elevator pitch, Yes. Yeah, Can I get back it, to you? Pull it out of Still the working on it. <laughs> you have one minute. Go. I'll give you a rough draft. Yeah, okay? sounds good. So hi, everyone. I'm Cheryl from Untamed Artistry. I am the founder, the CEO, the marketing director, and the janitor of Untamed Artistry. Janitor. <laughs> yes. We are essentially what I like to call the nerdiest and the quirkiest lash brands in the industry. We really focus on high quality products, as well as most importantly, what I'm passionate about is education. As an avid learner myself and also an educator myself in the industry before, this is where all of my passion lies. So at Untamed Artistry, not only are you going to find great products, but most importantly, we have a very committed community of lash nerds. Yes, that's what I call you guys, lash nerds, to help us learn and be a better lash artist and business owner. So. How with my rough draft? That's, That's good. good. That's good. No, yeah. and we're excited. We've had Cheryl on before, but today we were just chatting, like I said, and we did, we have a lot in, in common. We have a lot of similar philosophy, I think, in business, and we both love um, the Silicon Valley kind of mentality. We kind of see ourselves yes. as uh, last tech companies, even though we're not high tech and any specific way. I know. But, <laughs> but that's really our model. That's why I always call myself the founder. Mm-hmm. I don't ever call myself like the owner. I'm like, I'm the founder. Yes. The founder. Makes me feel closer to a tech startup. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and hopefully you have good stock options. And one day when those go public, you'll become a millionaire. So that's all good. So yeah. Typical Silicon Valley story. But that said, we're really excited because really – Education is, I know what Cheryl's really passionate about. I mean, yes, she loves lashes and she talks about that. But really, when I see her 
face glow and get excited is when she's able to teach her people with her Matcha Mondays, which, by the way, if you're not seeing that, she goes to that every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. She's there interviewing people, really important people like today, like me, or other people not so important. Uh, but anyway, no, but really good people who know their stuff. She gets experts. She gets people who know their thing. And sometimes it's just her hanging out and sharing the knowledge and wisdom that she's gained over the years in the industry. And it's not just the typical stuff you're going to hear everywhere out there. It's going to be actually usually like, oh, that's a different different take perspective that's yeah. a new take because mm. she's well read she really spends a lot of her time you know studying i can tell herself and thinking through systems and thinking through problems that we all face and how can she bring a fresh perspective and not just the fresh but also what i think a lot often i've thought so yeah that's probably the best way to do it it's really good so she's really mm. really helpful with that so that said being her kind of a heartbeat it seemed really right that they sit down and break down the education in the last industry, not with the goal to destroy and say, hey, everyone sucks, we're the best, because that's really self-serving. No, we really, what we want to do is uplift and say, look, let's look at, take a serious accountability of our industry and say, are we really providing the best value as a community? Are, do we have the best systems in place? Or are we possibly just using what's been working for the last 15 years, but we could strive to do better? I mean, a good example would be someone I, I love, Seth Godin, really comes out and rails against the public education system because he says mm-hmm. it's really broken. It doesn't work today. The idea of sitting in a classroom for an hour or two hours and have someone lecture in front and then people just through rope memory repeat what they was thrown at them and, and these tests and stuff like that doesn't bring learning. It's just bringing like almost compliance and you're not mm-hmm. really getting the best educators. You're not getting the best thought leaders. You're just getting some person who happened to have a, a you know a job so they took it and they'd start teaching you and he has some, I won't go into his models, but he has some different models he thinks we should explore. And so he doesn't do it because he hates teachers and he hates schools and all that. He does it because he says life has evolved. The American education system is evolving and maybe it's time to start trying to think about things a little differently. Maybe it's time to say, are there better ways? Just like Lashes, if we never evolved, we would still be doing classics and nothing but classic. But we decided, you know what? Volume sounds like people want more lashes. They want more impact. Volume evolved and came and delivered that. And I think the same can be true for education. So so to be clear, yeah. it's going to sound like we're going to, to be uh, digging in uh, a little controversy here. But the goal is not to call anybody out. or no, we're not or, pointing fingers or no. yelling at anyone. The whole goal is to say, hey, can we do things differently, right? And what can we do mm-hmm. differently and all that? So, Cheryl, since I know you are so passionate and you do think about this a lot, maybe you can give us a little, like, what, what's your biggest thoughts or concerns currently about training today? Mm. Well, thank you for all those compliments that you've given me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I live up to all the things that you've said. But I do think that I spend a lot of time being a little bit of a problem solver and a thinker. And one of the things that I always like to do, just like my Matcha Monday, is to bring in the expertise of people outside of industry mm-hmm. and really looking at like, you know, our education system as a whole outside of our lash industry, as well as inside of our lash industry, because it often gives me new insights that I never really thought about. This conversation that we're having right now actually are brought to my friends who are actually in the tech industry, um, not in the lash industry. And we really got to talk about education. And one of the things I've always resonated with Seth Golden on his opinion on education and how that's flawed. And that brought me to this question that I keep 
wondering or I would say more of a statement that I've been thinking about. And I think that's what opened that can of worm with us. And I know that this statement, like you said, it's a little bit controversial. So I want you guys to maybe stick with us for a little bit and hear us out. Um, but what I was thinking is that why is it that our education in the lash industry specifically thus far, it's really a business model that guarantees the success of the educator, but not the student. Can you explain? Yeah. Can you, can you, can <laughs> you Absolutely. I know yeah. this is such a loaded statement yeah. right here. <laughs> Obviously, I've been on both sides of this experience. I've been an educator. I've been a student. Currently, Untamed doesn't have an academy or any education program because we focus more on free education. But we do have a magnificent group of people, what I call the geek squad. And we do get to talk a lot about our experiences as educator as well as students. And one of the things that I realized that a lot of these business models in the education system that I've learned from you actually, weren't really thought out in how do we best benefit the student. Mm -hmm. So as a student, you know, you are essentially not only putting thousands of dollars in the hands of your educator, but you're also putting your career in the hands of your educator. And as an educator, most of us, like even I've been in that position before, not that we don't want our students to succeed. I don't think anyone gets into education because we don't care about the success of our uh, student. But often is that we haven't really thought about what teaching models and what education models that would really help us, um, our students succeed. And that is the question that I guess I'm here to, well, I'm encouraging people the two of my listeners to think about this. I'm encouraging the students to think about what is it that you think your educator is doing to help you guarantee the success of your future and your business and your career. And as an educator, if you're listening to this, the question that I want to pose today is in your plan of your, you know, whether it's your curriculum or your manuals and all of this, are you also thinking about how are you guaranteeing the success of your students after that two days that they've spent with you or that three days that they spent with you? What are the things that you've set in place to really consider not only, you know, their learning styles and the lashing styles, but also the soft skills? Like the hard skill is the lashing and applying the lashes and removing the lashes and understanding cyanoacrylate, but the soft skills, it's what really helps you build a successful business. So I guess I'm here asking educators to challenge the status quo, which we do a lot at Untame Artistry, to dare to be different and think about your education and your training from a lens, not because of how you've seen everyone else do it, but start with why. Like our boy Simon Sinek always say, you know, start with why. And one of the things that I really like is being a first principle thinker. And what that means is that you always understand the foundation of what you're doing at a very first principle level. So if you're going into education as a first principle thinker, it isn't how other people are creating their education program. What are other successful education program models are out there, but rather asking the question of how do people learn and how can I teach, right? These are, my favorite quote is, a well-asked question is half answered. And I talk about this a lot in my Matcha Monday and when I hang out with my lash nerds is to not, I'm not 
very knowledgeable in lashes anymore. I haven't taken the training in probably two years now. So I don't know much about lashes anymore. And all my information is a little bit outdated. But one thing I do spend a lot of time on is mental models and decision making models and thinking models. And I think that this is probably something that we also want our educators to have. Just like what Seth Godin said about, you know, the education system today, it's flawed. One of the things that I want to mention is flaws because we're not teaching the future generation soft skills. We're not teaching curiosity. We're not teaching empathy. We're not teaching creativity. And these are the things that actually drives the success of our future generation, not what is one plus one necessarily. Yeah. Obviously, it's important to know. But yeah, that's kind of how I arrived at this statement. No, I think well, it's good. Like, go I ahead. was going to just let's backtrack just a little bit to think to to talk about without naming any names what would you say is the blueprint of the educational system for um, your individual lash artist today so what do we consider uh, standard mm-hmm. I guess for all of us it's like uh, if I go back to my first training basically I went with a company this was 2005 it was a two-day class and nothing's um, changed two-day seminar <laughs> um, uh, it was at a hotel um, it was a well-known brand at the time. Not so well-known now. <laughs> and basically the first day was a lot of theory. We did a little bit of hands-on. Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, it was theory. <laughs> the yeah. second yeah. day, the second day, we split off and on each other, we took turns um, doing um, lashes yeah, three on, hours, on each other. You were other. the model and three mm-hmm. hours you were doing lashes. And then afterwards, uh, I was released to go off to do and, lashes and make and, millions of dollars. And and I guess what I, I'm answering my own question, yeah, but, um, I sorry, <laughs> it was an invitation to you, but all I want to do was talk myself. Sorry, Cheryl. <laughs> no, but I, you know, um, I love hearing you talk after that. I realized, Oh my goodness, I know nothing. I know nothing. So how can I get more opportunities to be around lashes? And I kind of sweet talked my way actually to becoming a trainer. And literally I had no experience. I had, no experience. But no one else did either. It yeah. was literally 2005 yeah. when no one even knew what lashes were. So yeah. it's not like, you know, today. It'd be a big difference. I doubt some of the big tra- companies like, oh, you just learned lashes, turn around, become a trainer now. Yeah. That's not. But uh, I, I guess, would you say, would you say, that, would you agree that that is the ordinary person's experience? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With education? Yeah, I think a lot of our like listener that's listening right now probably can relate to this is we often walk away from our first training don't feel encouraged and not necessarily feel like that's it i've got it all i can now conquer you know my career and life i have to say that like you know my first training i invested a lot of money on a 101 training and to me it was a great experience and i think the educator was amazing i've done my research but there's still so much that I didn't know. And I realized that, yeah, you're right. I think the standard currently, it's probably the traditional two days format where you do one day of theory and then you do another day of model. Um, It's pretty standard right now, but due to COVID, you know, a lot of good things comes from adversity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Through COVID, I'm able to kind of start to see a glimpse of maybe something different. And I wanted to highlight here is that we are having the first conversation of a really, really long and difficult conversation to have. And we are by no means are going to solve this problem of education tonight in this conversation or this year 
or even in the next five years. But it's an important conversation that we're having right now because our industry is what less than fifteen years old right now, yeah. like right yeah, about fifteen. So 16, yeah. yeah, about fifteen in the I guess lifespan of careers and industries, we are at the infancy stage,、mm-hmm. and being an infant, it's very much like. You know, they're a sponge. They're kids. They would absorb anything that's thrown in their way. That also means that in your formative years, which is what we are in right now in our industry, we can get misguided so easily that it would take years and years to recorrect and years and years to rewrite. So true, so true. I, that's one of the reasons why I get so excited about our podcast is is that I, for that exact reason is why we started it. We wanted to be able to have a forum so we could talk about things. That people were doing that we saw it was becoming part of our industry standard things like oh you must not lash anything that's a millimeter away from the you know closer than a、yeah. millimeter or you must not rinse the lashes or you you know and a lot of these things we've seen change been, you know、uh, they've been repeated though since the beginning of time since two thousand five these things have been in the echo chamber just being. Pushed out, and no one is asking why. Why is that the best way? Why is that? And then I felt like we just did our podcast. Like, you know what? We're just going to start telling people that we've been doing it since the same time, and we just do things a lot differently. And yeah, some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it, but there is a different way. And we just want to open up instead of there just being one pathway. Now we want to show people there's hundreds of pathways, and that、mm-hmm. each of those. Can be fine. You find the one that works best for you and go with it. We're not talking about a moral issue here. This is、mm-hmm. not someone's not going to die from this. People are just going to find what's best for them, and they're going to be able to work with it. And the same is true for training. I think we've been repeating the same training model for 15 years. And like you said, I think COVID 19 is now beginning to cause people to go. Can't train the way I used to. Maybe I'm going to have to do something different. I mean, Borbaletta and Bella and Sugar Lash last year started saying, "Hey, we're going to do online trainings," and so you know that was beginning already to happen. But I think now everything's in the overdrive, and everyone's like, "No, we got to find ways to create an online experience so people can learn stuff." And it and it's also at the same time people are beginning to say it's also got to be more than just lashes now. We need to do more. We can't just talk about lashes because truth is, no offense, guys who think lashes are. Super complicated. It's not. It's it's simple, basic skill to learn a lash or glue an extension onto a hair. This is not trying to build an automobile or some sort of high tech machine that's going to take years of study and ex.、Uh, you can get that basic concept pretty quickly, no. and it takes me- muscle memory to get good, and that takes a long time. But the actual concepts are simple. And, and then, as I say, but now we're going to move into this new era. I think we're going to start learning business. We're going to start learning marketing, and all these new things are coming up, which I'm really happy to see. I just want to interject real quick. <laughs> I know that what Paul what Paul said right now, some of us may feel a little denigrated because no, often, t- no, he's not trying to do that.、No. When he says it's not complicated, we're just gluing a lash to a hair. He's really simplifying it, right? We understand that there is nuance. We understand、yeah. there's decisions. That go into is this the right lash? Is this the right row? Is this the right hair? All that kind of stuff. But you know, it's specifically it's it's one skill. It's not computing multiple steps in a math algorithm kind、no. of thing, right? That's so why... that's that's what he means. I'm I'm don't what we do is important. And、oh, there、yeah. is a complication to what we do,、and、but we don't have to overcomplicate it, right? right? At the same time, I feel like we try to overcomplicate things so it makes it feel important. By the way, it doesn't have to be complicated to be important. It can be just important because we're doing amazing things that help women, for the most part, feel beautiful and better about themselves. It doesn't have to be this rocket science that we have to go in and like make it like all these flowcharts and all these like. 
algorithms and all these numbers. And you're like, guys, we're just attaching lashes to extensions to hair. Okay, let's calm down. Now, there's design and there's philosophies on that. And that will take a little bit more time. But when you're first teaching people, I mean, this is why most lash training is like only like three, four hours of theory. Because the concepts aren't that complicated, right? Mm-hmm. They just in a few hours they get you most of what you need, and then you play with a doll head, and then the next day you try a client or two, and then you're on your own. And it's been that way for 15 years because there isn't a whole lot now. New people on the scene and some newer trainers are adding marketing, social media, photography. They're they're expanding the thing. But but the weird thing is that the days have they haven't added days. They're still doing one or two day training. Still, they just mm-hmm. add more information. Why is that? Because again, the technique, the idea, the concept of lashing is not that complicated to communicate. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. It's easy not easy to learn. It's hard to perfect, but it's easy to get the concept down. So anyhow, now that I've pissed off all our lash fans, <laughs> <laughs> let me try to. Come- Come in and like you know mitigate. All right, I'll help you save your relationship. Yeah, okay. thank you. So I think an analogy that I always use that maybe this would resonate with people more is that being a professional athlete, like let's say an NBA player, an NHL player, right? Shooting the ball, dribbling the ball, yep. it's only a part of the skill, right? Mm-hmm. You also need to have mental stamina. Mm-hmm. You also need to be able to know how to lose, how to win, because a lot of it comes down. I've had a career in a super high competitive sports, you know, mm-hmm. which is not what you guys think. I was not active, but in poker, which is <laughs> extremely high competitive sports. Mm-hmm. I'm doing quotation mark in case. Yeah, you guys thank can't you, because I, I won't call it a real sport. Uh, you, you never broke a sweat. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I Do you know the physical stamina? <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that I think LeBron James is not the best NBA player because he has the highest average shooting. Okay, don't let me talk sports. You know nothing about it. But he's not the best basketball player in the world because he gets the balls in the net every single time. He's the best basketball player in the world because he trains every single day. He takes his nutrients very seriously. He takes his mental game very seriously. He manages his money really, really well, which is why he has all these sponsorships and all this. So it's being a well-rounded. He's just the best at being well-rounded. And in our education right now, I think that as a student, we need to learn how to be more well-rounded and asking ourselves the question of what does it take for me to be a more well-rounded, you know, lash artist, a business owner. And then as educator, I think it's also really important to see what is going to make me the most well-rounded educator. And that's not simply by offering maybe a section in a training that other people don't offer, like aesthetic or marketing. That's your unique selling proposition, which is completely different. We can, you know, I don't want to get too much into marketing, but that's just what makes you stand out. But being a great educator is about looking into learning styles and understanding neurologically how do people learn. This is going to equip you to become a better educator. So one of the things I always talk a lot about is this learning technique called space repetition. And if anyone who is interested in learning and being an effective learner, this is a method that you need to look into. Space repetition essentially explains that humans don't learn because you jam-pack information into their brain in a very long duration. So an example is learning how to lash in one to two days and expect to be an expert, it's almost impossible, right? Space repetition says that we are supposed to digest a small piece of this information every single day, repeat it on a regular frequency, 
in order for us to learn. And I can get super, super nerdy, like into about learning. If you guys yeah. want me to, yeah, no, I, okay. I love this because I think one of the things that is my biggest concern about our industry is that we try to jam it all one day or two days, mm -hmm. and then that's it, and they're left alone. And yes, they get maybe access to the trainer, which is generous and kind of them, but people need more work. They need more help. They, it's yes. going to take so much time. I mean, just go back to your LeBron James example. The way that any great athlete becomes great is really, aside from just having some natural talent, it's practicing. Practice. It's the only way. Yeah. LeBron James does what he does because he goes out and practices before he was ever big. Hours mm -hmm. and hours and hours of boring, not exciting work, just going to the hoop and shooting and shooting and shooting and drill, drill, dribble, dribble, dribble. And eventually over time, it began to stick so he didn't have to think. It just became natural. Yes. It became instinctive. And that's the same thing I think with lashes. It's something that's going to take time and energy. And this learning, yeah. like you said, it sounds like it's a very it's a different way to think about it. Well, by sharing what I'm excited about, for you to share is like, I guess probably how the brain works and everything. It, it's kind of closing that loop for us. The, the loop that we first opened when we started was that one of the things that you said was that the educational system with lashes isn't really serving the needs of the student. How so? Can you explain? Yeah, how I mean, can we serve yeah, the needs? How of the can we serve the needs? Yeah. So I think that like in order to serve the needs of the students, we need to first understand our audience, which is our student. And what is this transaction that we're making with our student for money and education? But really what we're transacting is money for the success of their future. Because as a business owner, you're looking at a cost analysis. Mm -hmm. Am I going to get more than $2,000 worth of knowledge and experience and success in my business? from this $2,000 course, right? And I think that that's why as an educator, I don't think anybody just sets a business model out and be like, oh, I don't really care about my student. I just want to be successful. I just want to be rich. But I think that it's just taking that extra step to asking not just the question. It's like peeling back the onion, right? The first layer is, okay, how do I get them in the door? The second layer is how do I teach them how to lash? And then the inner layer is like, okay, what does it take? Now they know how to lash. What does it take to succeed as a business? And then the inner layer is like, how do they learn? And that's why I wanted to nerd out a little bit about learning. We can all put on our first principal thinker hat for a second here and take a second to understand how learning happens. So learning happens in a way where there's three phases. So there's, you know, your observation, and then there's your processing, and then there's your learning. So the observation phase is when we are essentially sitting in front of a class being taught these techniques, the lashings and the placements and the theories. And then there is the processing. And then the processing is when you start practicing and digesting and thinking about what you've learned. Now, the mistake what people think is that learning happens just in one stage. I sit in front of a teacher. I was told this thing. I am learning. That is so not true. Your brain actually is not learning during this period of time. Surprisingly, your brain actually learns in your sleep. It's when you're sleeping. It's when you're learning. So there's a capacity where your brain can essentially contain information and then processing and then turn it into a long-term memory, essentially. Oh, right? shoot. So that explains everything, by the way. I don't sleep. So that's, that's why, why I'm you're such so an idiot. Dumb. I'm such an idiot because I, I need to sleep so I can learn. <laughs> Dang it. I know this sounds so silly, yeah. but I know when I tell people that sleeping eight to 10 hours, it's absolutely crucial for me because I feel like I'm this like 
human sponge every single day, right? I wake up, I try, I actually allocate time in my calendar. Um, when I make my schedule, I always do my non-negotiable first. So important meetings, things I have to get done. And then I start doing my planning, my tasks. And learning always falls into the non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely non-negotiable That's for great. me to learn. So as a student now, let's, let's look at our business, like our education models now, right? Why is it not serving our students? So now that we understand a little bit about how learning works from a fundamental level, a neurological level, we now can see why it does not make sense for us to force our student to sit in front of a class for two days and then with no support after, or maybe none, little to none support after. Yeah, to some email and then or send something. them out. Yeah, send them out into the world and then just expect success. And we always take our best case study and use that as kind of our triumphant like story where look at my student, she has succeeded, she's this amazing student, but we're neglecting the other 99% of people I know in our industry for a fact that we have a super high turnover rate. Yep. And part of the turnover rate actually happens in the first six months of someone getting into business. Yeah. And the reason why that happens is because they weren't able to retain what they've learned and actually use it. Mm. So I think that if I can put some tangible things that I think we can change immediately in our education system is number one. I think it's understanding how learning works and then setting up the system to help our student learn, right? So one of the things we actually discuss in our Geek Squad is that the importance of a manual, not just any manual, but a well-thought-out manual. Why that's so important? Because it now can help us in our space repetition, the learning technique, where we can go back to our notes a little bit every single week. You know how everyone always say, your favorite book, you should never read it once because you should read it again and again. Every time you read, you're gonna learn something new. Our Lash Manual can be that favorite book. It can be that favorite book that we can always refer back to and look into it and refresh our memory and then ingrain into our brain again, sleep on it again. The term sleep on it didn't come from nowhere. (laughs) You know, sleep on it, it means that because you actually learn in your sleep Mm -hmm. and giving people ample amount of time to actually practice. One of the biggest thing that I think we can do differently immediately is not to have models that last four hours. Mm-hmm. Like in day two, in our model days, it always lasts four hours. And I can see the frustration in my students' face that they're just over it. Mm-hmm. That's because at two hours, your brain naturally hits what it's called a mental fatigue. You can actually no longer absorb any more information. So the first two hours, you are going on this like, you know, exponential growth of learning. And then you hit this plateau in two hours. Everything comes after that. It becomes so nominal. Like it's literally you're learning a fraction of what you learned in the first two hours. And if we can't, obviously, the structure is not a lot of people say, okay, I don't have a lot of time. I can't commit three months into like learning lashing and only learn one, an hour a day. Teacher also don't have that time. But if you think about it, online training kind of solves that problem. Yeah. But I won't get into that right now. But understanding that not having enough time for you to jam pack all these information, you can actually break it down. Like mm. so often the good teachers would set up breaks in between, set mm. up breaks to let you you can't take a nap, but at least let your brain refresh. Mm-hmm. And that would help learning 
a lot, having a very extensive manual that will help guide your student even when you're not next to them anymore. They can go back to this manual as if you are being taught for the first time again. Yeah, I think real quick, I just want to jump in and just point out because I think that's really key that having a manual is key. You, you need to have a manual and you need to be able to be able to get that. But I also really like the idea, which I think would be a good evolution for training to see people change the day up. So it's like, you're not going four hours or like with us, I think we did two models. We do a three hour model, take a break and do another three hour model. Why like you said, cause we did do this though. We always told our models guys, you're not going to get full set of lashes. We are here to teach our people how to get the technique down. I don't want to put pressure on the student to have a full line of lashes so I can put a picture on Instagram and say, look at my new student, how amazing they are. When they literally just learned this five minutes ago, that's not, you need to realize that's not the goal to be able to have that photo. The goal is for the student to learn the technique. So that might mean they get less lashes on, but they did it right. So I think what you said is really good where, like, you do two hours, then you break it up. Maybe you do another exercise, do something else may do a reading do you know change the learning style and then come back and do another two-hour block i think that that would really be interesting to see that happen in the learning environment and then you also are managing expectations of the model and you're telling the student to tell the model you're not going to get a full set so that they don't have this relationship issue that they have sometimes Mm -hmm. they pick their their neighbors their friends and then they have to do an explaining to do so that they don't damage that relationship and we by the way we paid our models to come there because that yes. way because they weren't going to get full set so I, to take away the pain and and the disappointment when they looked at lashes <laughs> they say look you will don't worry about it you're not gonna get a full set we're gonna pay you i think it was like a 100 bucks to be there yeah. and then afterwards what testing we would offer too if they they really hated what they got so just come back another day and because the, the student would leave we can come to our salon one of our team will remove your lashes for you or you can pay yeah. a small fee and we'll give you a full set, you know, with our staff, but so there's ways to get around that. But I just wanted to pick up on what you said. I think it's so important that students have a manual and if they don't have that, um, red flag to me, it's a red flag, (laughs) but it basically the teacher or the instructor that's creating the program without a manual is only catering to one specific kind of learner. That's true. It's the yes. it's the kind of learner who's, who's an audio learner, audio that only needs to hear something once. And that is such a yeah. small percentage of people. I have heard from students before that I've taught that they're not allowed to take pictures of the slides, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or they might have to sign an NDA or, um, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to discuss anything. But to me, that's also a red flag. Because if you cannot take pictures of the learning, what if you're not that kind of learner? that you mm-hmm. need to go back and and just about what you said about the brain and how we know how it, it works you need to revisit something over and over again if you don't yeah. have those materials to do that you're not being equipped really for success yeah. i mean i was yeah. when i learn i have to t- i have my computer out and i'm typing the whole way i'm not even looking at the speaker mm-hmm. usually. i'm just sitting there typing away it looks like i'm writing a paper or doing something else yeah. playing a video game because I need to type it for it to sink into here. If I just watch yes. or listen, I fall asleep and my brain drifts all over the place. But my way to focus is typing and writing while I'm listening to the speaker. So I'm, I've been at business conferences and I might be the only one there with my laptop off and I'm watching. I'm sitting there typing away. And I just I found that that's my way of learning and we're all different. So I think like Tess yeah. said, visual typing, whatever, there's different ways to do it. But I know you had more to say. That is, Yeah, that's such a good like. You know, you brought up that's a really good point of, you know, not only considering how learning work as a whole, like how your brain works, but also learning style. It's 
so <laughs> crucial that we cater to everybody with a different learning style. And one of the thing that why I personally have a problem with not having manuals and not having some sort of some sort of notes that I can or set up for my student to review. It's because in our geese squad, we were actually discussing trainings that I was trying to recommend people to take, and a lot of people were saying that there are some trainings that they absolutely loved, but they're planning to take it again. And here is why I said came up with this statement in the very beginning, say how our education system's business model is set up for the success of the teacher. Because to me, if a student needs to take a training that is teaching the exact same thing twice for the two x amount of the money, I want you to the listeners that are listening to that right now, and you feel that way, I want you to know that that is not your fault. Like that is not your problem. You're not a bad learner. We're just the system wasn't set up for you to learn successfully. There is no such thing as bad learner. There is way to hack learning, you know.、Um, but you're not a bad learner because you did. And there's no such thing as that course was too dense either, because any course could be really, really dense. But In order for you to take away and actually get your money's worth, you should be able to not only learn those things, learn it once, and then be able to review it. That's why we do when you do webinars, you give replays, right? When we do webinars, we give replays because not only for those who missed it, but it's also for those who wanted to watch it again and listen to it again, right? And the manual, it's a replay. You know, so that's why. And then also, I think if to answer my question, is our education system set up for the success of the educator, not the student? This is the question that students can ask themselves. In the way that their educators, it's selling their training.、Mm-hmm. No matter how genius you think their marketing strategy is, no matter how popular their training is, you want to ask yourself: Is that marketing strategy there? To get more money out of you, or help you succeed. So I want to dive a little bit into this, like what I see as a scarcity mindset、mm-hmm. a little bit in the、yeah. industry. I think this is a little bit of a touchy subject because, first of all, at UA we operate on an abundance mindset、mm-hmm. where we believe giving education out for free is a no-brainer,、mm-hmm. like something we don't even have to debate about in our team. Yeah. There is this scarcity mindset in the industry, and I think we've made such great progress since like years、oh, ago. Yeah. Where night and day from five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally secrets. Like、yeah. anything that you want to learn, it was a secret, and I can't tell you how many times people have said to us at our team that like it blows my mind that you want to give away the things that you give away for free. When I can't even ask a simple question of what glue do you use to someone else, and that to me, it's because the scarcity mindset. So your question was like, what do I mean by is this decision a great marketing strategy for the success of the educator or the student? What I mean by that is often as an educator, obviously, if it's your bread and butter to make money, you're gonna want to try to make as much money as you can, train as many students、yeah. as you can. There's nothing wrong with that, but there is, like, one of the things that I like to think about as UAs, which is one of our core value, is how do we be socially ethical, right?、Mm-hmm. Socially ethical in a sense where our marketing strategy 
isn't just a marketing strategy to make sure that we get as much money as we can, but a marketing strategy that's empathetic marketing because Seth Godin talks a lot about this Mm -hmm. empathetic marketing. And then it's also socially ethical, Mm -hmm. right? And I think by withholding information and knowledge for money, to me, it's not socially ethical. Mm -hmm. An example I always like to give is that all the Ivy League school nowadays, Stanford, Harvard, you can actually sit into a class without paying a single penny. You can have a Harvard education without paying a dollar. For free, yeah. Yeah, for free. Like that to me did not stop people from going to Harvard. That to me did not stop people from going to Stanford. But instead, regular, traditional, conventional colleges are bleeding money right now mm-hmm. because it's a model that doesn't work. So for us, I think in our industry, what I want to see more of, this is a lofty goal of mine, is to see people to be more willing to share and operate on a more abundance mindset. And I'm not going to take credit for this one. Actually, one of our Geek Squad mentioned this, and I want to credit her completely for this. Alisa, she's Lash.Creative. And she, when we were getting in this conversation, she made a really logical argument in why we should have this abundance mindset and share everything that we can. She said that because only two things can come out of sharing your knowledge for free. Number one is that you could make someone's life better. And that person will pay you nothing and they would never give you a penny and they took your knowledge for free, but you can make their lives better. Or number two, you can attract them to your training Mm -hmm. because now they know what you're talking about and they trust you. You essentially took them on what I call an educator test drive, right? Because we don't get to take our educator on test drives like we do to our cars. So how are we going to convince people to spend two thousand upwards of two, three, four thousand dollars on us, we're giving them nothing. That is solely operating on the fear and the scarcity of this education or this knowledge that we're trying to share. I guess. Yeah. And for me, I think that um, my argument back at this whole because I thought this through a lot. Obviously, you can tell I think about this a lot. I have <laughs> all the objective. Like I've play both sides of the field. Like Mm -hmm. I've argued both sides of this Mm -hmm. argument. And this is why I'm so firm on my beliefs. It's because I've argued both sides, right? I've argued the side of why we need to hold education as scarce because we are rewarding those who are willing to learn. And I know that there are some merit in making people pay for education because of endowment effect, right? Being able to pay for something, now you own it and you feel this sense of entitlement. You're more likely to succeed and try harder. But the problem, and then another thing is people are saying how let's elevate, you know, the lash industry education as a whole um, so that we can have higher quality work so that we don't have this bad rep of damaging people's lashes or hurting people or all these things. But I think the best way to do this is actually through free education. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds really stupid, but the best way to do this is through free education. Because if UA is willing to put out price setting webinar for free, we're willing to put out adhesive webinar, you know, for free, or you guys do it at such a small price that you guys are doing with Tustin's 15 years of experience alongside with all the experts that you consulted with for the price of what, 30, $40? Like to, yeah, 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 exactly. A price of a nice lunch, you know? And to me, if you are willing to do this, 
how will the $600 training one day that didn't even teach you about to isolate, how would they survive? If we show our students that they can get this kind of high quality information for free, our industry has nowhere to go but up, literally has nowhere to go but up. I just want to say that that model where you're giving it away for free, this is also something that we do too and we always have. The whole reason of the podcast is to give it away for free. What it does is it reveals the motives of the heart. And the motives is, is that we want everyone to benefit. We want everyone to grow. We're not saying you have to do it our way. We're just saying this yeah. is the information that we have. It's grown and benefited us. You're free to have it too because our whole goal is that we all are lifted, that we all can do, you know, you can do better, you know. More and information, More right? information. The whole industry can grow. And it just reveals the motives of the heart. That's what we want. So what I was going to jump in and I agree. I think well, I'll just go this way. Our model is based upon what started from like three or four last companies back in 2004. These companies were the first ones and they decided we need to do trainings that are easy to do for a couple days. And so we'll just come up with a simple way so we can fly in, give them some train and fly back to wherever we live. And, and it was the only way because no one could afford to fly in for a month and do trainings for a month. And also none of the beauty schools are going to teach lashes for the most part, at least back then for sure, because none of the testing in the schools licensing matters. Like the only state I know of is Texas right now. Yes. You can go get training in Texas just for lashes. But let me say one more yeah. thing regarding that in the very beginning, the reason why they did this, there wasn't, any lash businesses to begin with, right? There was no lash services. So they were introducing something that people didn't even know they had a need for, right? So there wasn't really any end users. The clients didn't even know that they needed lashes, right? You were just learning lashes and then hoping to go out and find people. So the companies that were training were not necessarily training on how to do any kind of business, how to do a fill, how to interact with them. There was none. There was no model. It was a brand new service, right? So all they're doing is teaching a service, right? And and that's what got copied and copied and copied over the next 15 years and the only big change now is some people throw in social media why because these trainers are really good at social media so guess what they're going to teach what else they know maybe some photography and some phone apps and that's it and so well that's been fine and good for now i think we want to see more and just to help people see get out of the scarcity model because I know what it is. People are afraid, what if I give away everything, then they won't come to my training. But we should look outside the lash industry and see, is that true everywhere? Is that going on in other industries? No, No, not even close. It's like it's the whole world of content marketing, the whole idea of funnels and all this stuff, guys. The idea that every company that has an online business of some model, and it doesn't matter what industry you go into practically now, they know that they're going to give it away. They're going to give it away. They're going to give away tons of great information, things that actually help people improve their lives. By the way, it's the moral thing to do, I think. It's the right thing to do, not because you're trying to bait and switch people and suck them into your program, because you just want to bless people and help them and know that when you give more than you take, you're going to be fine. People eventually will buy in. They think, wow, all this stuff for free they're giving me is amazing. I can't imagine spending a day or two with them. How much more valuable would that information be? And another great example I I love to look at is authors. Just look at every flipping author out there in the world. Authors literally go on podcasts, go on talk shows, and talk about their books and share all their ideas. And what's the first thing you do as soon as you get done with that podcast? You go online and you buy Buy that book. book. You buy the book anyways. You just heard them talk about it, but... Screw it. I'm 
buying the book anyway. And then, yeah. then you have to get the book. Then you find out, oh my gosh, they have a one day seminar. Know what? And it's free. I take it. And then they got, you take that class and you go, oh my gosh, that was amazing one day seminar or half a day, whatever it is. But by the way, they have a deeper mastermind now. Know what? I'm going to join that. And that costs $1,000. And then all of a sudden you've been sucked into their web, but not because you're trying to bait and switch because you've gotten so much value. You gladly hand over the money. You gladly get involved. I mean, for me, a, a great example, StoryBrand. I'm a huge StoryBrand fan. Why? Because Donald Miller just goes on every day and does a business tip for free every day, five days a week. Week, he gives that away. Then he goes on. You can listen to his podcast. Gives away all his information. And I've paid for seminars. I've paid for books. I just keep buying his stuff. Why? Because he's given me so much value. So I think that's the mentality that you, know, you were talking about. Yeah. Well, let's contrast that to the lash world, right? So let's we go to a convention and we hear a very well-known lash speaker, and she gets up on stage and she says, "I have a wonderful technique. It's out of this world." Here's a picture of the finished product. Any questions? I have a class that you can sign up for after this. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay $600 for or whatever, whatever it is. It is yeah. But I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just going to tell you you have to believe that it's good. Trainers, but what happens true. is the whole audience goes away without knowing the genius of this person. And I understand that she's afraid, you know, perhaps I'm going to – why would they come to me if I gave it all away? But it's the same thing of the, of the writer. You, yeah. A writer doesn't come on to Good Morning America and say, I wrote this book. If you want to know what's in it, you got to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really not a good argument, right? No, it's not a way that yeah. things work. Yeah. I like to think of it, it's like I always tell people why I encourage educators when I coach them to give away their information for free. It's because it's not about the content. It's about the context, hmm. right? You can give away all your information in bits and pieces, but it's in that training that they commit with you, that you're stringing it all together, holding their hand pointing out their pain point, letting them know, helping them troubleshoot in a very personalized experience. And that's what they're buying. They're buying for that personalized experience. And those who don't buy, so what? You help them to be a better lash artist anyways, which then in turn, if we look at the cycle, you know, how information feeds into itself and creativity and flourishes, you actually promoting higher standard for the industry. If that's truly so... What I guess here is I want to encourage our listeners, especially students, right? I want to teach you guys to spot out contradictions. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would say. If your educator is promoting something, like, for example, the level value of the industry, um, the standard of the industry, then I want you to look at their actions. Mm-hmm. Is their action also doing that? Mm-hmm. If their action aligns with their words, then Great. But if you find any kind of inconsistency, I guess, discrepancy, then you need to question yourself and don't be afraid to question yourself. And I think that's one of the things that UA would never, ever do in this industry is to kind of participate into this hierarchy of our industry. And I know it's all there. Like, let's not pretend that this is not a thing. You know, it's definitely a thing that there is a hierarchy in our industry. But UA has never been that Mm -hmm. because... I think that, you know, we encourage people to question yourself and question, you know, your educator. They're not a superior. They are a guide, a guy that's supposed to help you in the success of your business. They're not your, um, I know a lot of people who have DM me this before probably had gotten the speech from me. Whenever people DM me and say, queen, 
I give them a very small, like, you know, not lecture, but I give them, I'm not your queen. Like, you, nobody is your queen. Like, you know, I'm a Lashner who wants to share with you what I've learned. And one thing I do every single time in order for me to truly make the other person feel like they're not inferior to me is to ask them, could you share with me why you think this way? Or, you know, when they ask me a question, let's say, you know, they said that like, oh, I'm struggling with retentions and blah, blah, blah. Could you tell me how to do this? What can I fix? I'll give them what I think. And then I say, what do you think? Mm -hmm. What is your theory in it? A good teacher is not a teacher that just talk at you, but it's a teacher that think with you. Like a coach, you know? right? A coach yeah. doesn't get on the court and shoot the baskets for LeBron James. He, <laughs> LeBron gets off, he's having a bad day. He may go to the coach, what's going on? What do you think is happening? And the coach may give some suggestions. And a lot of times I think they ask questions. Say, well, what, what did you, yes. you know, what's with this or what's that? And then they go, oh yeah. And then he goes back. And by the way, if they figure out themselves, they've really learned it, right? As opposed to just hearing you, yes. you know, teach yeah. So let's do a little exercise here. You encouraged uh, our listeners um, to look for the red flags. So let's yeah. say somebody is going through choosing, you know, which yeah. curricula to go with. And one of them says, there's no manual. You have to sign an NDA and you can't take pictures. But I don't think anyone puts that out publicly. I don't think of, I'm not aware of that. Maybe you are, Cheryl, but I think most of these things. Are, I think, no, yeah. I don't think, like, not that I know of, but yeah. like, obviously I've been in training that's like, almost like required afterwards. Like I've yeah. trained with, um, you know, I know that this is also mind you that this is culture too. There's a cultural difference, mm -hmm. right? Training. I trained with a Russian educator that I absolutely admired mm -hmm. and I had a great intention going to this training. And it was to my surprise that afterwards that I was not allowed to talk about the things that uh, I've learned in this yeah. training. Um, so, so is that, you know, and yeah. is that to something me, yeah, my intention was really clear that I'm learning to teach. But to them, I think there was a misunderstanding that they didn't communicate that with me that like, you know, you can only learn to use, I'm guessing. Yeah. But also in that training, I didn't have a manual. I was not allowed to take pictures unless um, we had promised to not ever share those photos and things like that, which I understand. But I think, so back to your question, Tessany, you were asking, you know, besides the red flags that we're looking for, I guess what you want to know is, how should we like look for education? If somebody says, I mean, and you go ahead and you ask some of these questions, like, yeah. is it is it student friendly? Can I? Yeah. I I'm this yeah, kind of a learner. To ask, I think, is yeah. what you want. I'm, yeah. I'm this kind of learner, okay. and I need to know if I can have access to reviewing the materials, right? And if yeah. somebody says no, you can't. What does that mean? Like you were saying to check for the red flag, right? Mm, so if they it, say no, it. what are you saying that that means? We need to question the educator first, right? Like coming from a place of empathy. Some people maybe has a reason. And I think that asking them, why can I do that? Like what is the concern in learning something like this? Because like you said, I'm that type of learner. What's more important here to highlight is do what you said. It's ask question. Mm -hmm. So many of us are get so excited that like we're taking training of, you know, some prestigious lash educator. I've had at the end of my career, I've had multiple people that taken training with me that told me the reason why is because I was an educator to check off on their list. Mm -hmm. That actually didn't sit well with me. I thought that 
she took a training with me because I really can help her solve a problem. I can really show her a perspective that maybe she didn't know or share some technique that she wouldn't otherwise learn. But when I knew that I was simply a list to check off, it made me feel like that's the problem. In the like industry, they're collecting that- stamps. Yes, exactly. So I don't know exactly what that means because I don't want to make assumption here. So I don't have a right good answer to that question. But maybe what I can talk about is as a student, I have some tips for you guys in how to find an educator, right? Like how to find the appropriate and correct educator for you and how to look for an educator that would actually deliver what you wanted. I think that number one, what you want to do is look into like everything that they do, right? From the way they talk about, share their information from not look beyond that marketing, look beyond the fluff, right? The fluff is the fluff, the reviews and what other people say and the hype, but look beyond that and actually asking yourself the question. So sitting down with yourself, right? Making a list in your business. I talk about this all the time that I think, you know, being an avid learner, it's so important for you to, allocate a budget every single year to improve your business, right? That goes into towards your learning. Now in that budget, let's say most of us can afford, because a lot of people say, oh, I want to take a training every year or something like that. So let's say that means hypothetically you have $2,000 as a budget that you have every single year. Now I want you to sit down with yourself, spend a night, pop open a bottle of wine, you know, and ask yourself some questions in your business. Where are my weaknesses? You know, and I'm saying beyond the lash skills, beyond all that, where are my weaknesses? You may arrive at my fans aren't as symmetrical. You may arrive at my retention isn't so great. And then you also may arrive at, I don't know how to get new clients. You also may arrive at my client retention rate. I mean, not how long it lasts, but um, how often they come back. It's not that great. So make that list you know, be honest with yourself, you know, no one is looking, no one is judging, be honest with yourself and be like, where are my weaknesses? Once you make that list, this is the harder part. And you're going to go through that list. And then you're going to look at the bottom of your list. And you're going to cross them off. Because those are going to be the things that you're going to actively fail at. (laughs) As a successful business entrepreneur, you don't succeed because you do everything really well. You succeed because you do the important things as good as you can. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it really is. That's huge. So now you arrive at your list and you have your top five, right? And one of the things that you want to look at now is not just what training can I take that is going to teach me all these things. If there's the training out there, great. But if what you arrive at is accounting issue, management issues, or, you know, mm, I don't know, uh, customer service issues, right? Mm-hmm. Look outside of our industry because our industry is so young. We're the blind leading the blind. There's really nobody besides you guys that's teaching customer service or, you know, customer retention, right? Look elsewhere because if you only have $2,000 to, let's say, invest on making your studio better, like a studio improvement, what are you going to do if you have a hole in your wall and you don't have hot water in your sink and you also need a carpet? you're going to fix that hole in the wall first. You're going to get hot water first and then carpet may never come. But to go into education and training blindly and just say, well, I got to take a training this year. So who should I take a training with? You are starting on the wrong foot because you're not going in with intentions. Now, once you have your intention, 
then you can go into any training and knowing exactly what is the answer that you're trying to seek. And by doing that, you're going to get so much more out of your training, maybe for a fraction of the price. Because what excited me, I'm so optimistic because I really think that the industry is going to get to a point where, you know, it's a long journey, but we'll get to a point where we'll really be proud of the education system that we've set up for our future generation of lash artists. So we're going to get to a point where if you're struggling with retention, I know Carrie has a retention workshop, right? You guys have, if you're struggling with not understand allergies and glue, you guys have a glue workshop, right? For the price of a lunch. And, you know, if you're struggling with aesthetic, right? I know there's aesthetic courses, but understanding what is important in your business should be the number one thing. And then going to looking to corresponding training that can actually teach you those things. And then you will vet the trainer, essentially. I think this is something people do. They go, I have eight certs. And they put it on their Instagram. Certificates. Uh, certificates, but they yeah. say certs. AX certified. X, yeah, no, AX, AX certified. certified. I got to yeah. let you guys know there's not one client coming to you because you have eight, nine. You have 100 certificates, and that is not going to bring you one extra client. You might be a better last artist. I'm not going to deny it. You may learn new things. That repetition and different voices is going to help you. But that is not the key to why you're better. I think what you're saying is what you need to do. You need to look at where you're weak. And then you do. You need to punt some categories. You just got to realize I can't yeah, be. you have to. I can't be the best at everything. So you know what? I'm going to let this one slide or that one slide. But man, I, when you come to me, you're going to connect with me in such a deep level because I've learned empathetic communication and I've learned to really affirm people and really listen really well. I've really gotten those soft skills down that, man, I'm never going to lose a client because of that. And so maybe maybe I don't have the nicest salon. Maybe my place is not in the nicest neighborhood because I just can't afford it, whatever it is. But man, when people come here, they're here for life because they love me and they've connected with me because I've developed those skills and those are things I actually had to focus on and learn. And maybe I didn't learn that in the last business. I went and took some classes that talked about communication styles and listening techniques and different things where you improve those other skills too that would make you a great business person. So I think I just wanted to jump that out because I think too many people put too much weight on how many certificates they get and they're missing out on learning opportunities. Instead of going to 18 different people, maybe you go to two or three for training and then take some new trainings for areas where you really need to grow in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the thing is that we often forget as industry leaders, brand owner or educators that we wear this, we care deeply about the industry as an armor, as a promise, as something that we're passionate about. But we forget that individual lash artists don't see themselves as the industry. Hmm. Like they're barely like dipping their toe into the lash industry water, you know, so for them, it doesn't matter if you like if they need to care about the industry and the well-being of the industry. All they can care about at this point, it's putting on their own seatbelts, you know, mm-hmm. worrying about their own. So that means when you're doing this, one of the things I always encourage in my community is to be inquisitive, right? Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to ask questions because maybe it's just me. I'm this most annoying kid when I was growing up. I'm always like, that was tough. That was tough. Tell me why. Yeah. (laughs) Explain, explain to me. Can you tell me more? Like, okay, what does that work? You know? And I know that that's why I was saying how our education system is so flawed because growing up, even in China, especially in China, I've had 
complaint from teachers to my grandma who raised me, saying that your granddaughter is too mature for her own good. <laughs> she asks way too many questions. She talks back. But when I mean talk back, I literally just mean when teacher asked me why didn't you do your homework because my friend scammed me and told me there's no homework.、Hmm. I asked the teacher. I didn't know there was homework. Did you communicate it with me that there's homework? <laughs> That's a no-no. No. But what? But fortunately for me, I had a grandma who told the teacher that what's wrong with you? Why would you say that about my daughter?、Hmm. So I want to be that grandma to the lashners out there and let you know that you can ask any question you、yeah. want. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're going to invest two thousand dollar or however many thousand dollars in somebody, you've earned that right to ask those questions. Absolutely. You know, there no. is、so. no such thing as a stupid question. There is absolutely no shame in getting what you need. If you don't understand something, you are there. You've paid the money、yeah. to learn. And it is up to us, really, as the student, to make sure that we get what we need. So, ask the questions. Challenge because if you don't own it, I mean that's really it's on us. It's not you know. And I will say this: my dad taught me this when I was young. He said, "Education is up to you, Paul. You're the one that's responsible for、mm. learning. You don't have to go to Stanford or Harvard to be great in business or whatever industry you want to go in." My dad went to San Jose State, where I ended up going, and then he went on. He did go to Stanford, but he went to Stanford and <laughs> USC and UCLA and all these. My dad really went to school his whole life until he was like seventy、wow. years old. He took one college course every year for his whole life, and he was、wow. just a perennial learner.、It、was very impressive. But he always says, "Look, you know what? You can go to the best classes." And have the best professors, and you still will walk away not knowing anything if you yourself aren't actively、mm-hmm. trying to learn and and put、mm-hmm. into practice what you're getting. If you're just sitting in the room and think I just need to get an A, and you know you can hack the system so you can get that A, and then you're done. He says you haven't learned a thing. You know you、mm-hmm. really you all you've learned is how to beat the system. But that hasn't taught you really the information that the professor, what you're trying to go there to learn, to grow your mind, expand your possibilities. So learning、yeah. to think better, learn to be creative, those type of skills. So really, for me, I've even though I didn't follow my dad into engineering and didn't take eighty thousand college courses, I've read books and I've always been learning and I've taken that and I realize it's up to me to learn. It's really my responsibility. As much as I want to hold our industry up and say we need to see more and better from our trainers and our education programs, in the end, we need to still take responsibility ourselves and say. You know what? Absolutely. The only one who cares about me learning is me. So I just want to say that. Secondly, I want to also say this to all those trainers out there that I pissed off today, who think I now they're <laughs> their enemy. I'm sorry. I, I really not. I think everyone is great. We're really doing this episode as a appeal to have people hopefully aim higher to to improve and grow. And we all can be self reflective. We all can do better. We're educators. We can do better. We actually get surveys back, and people have been kind enough to give me feedback. And I've refunded people money for a couple people for our webinars because they just weren't happy. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want your money. So. If you're not happy, we don't want your money. Yeah, we really don't. So that's something that we've always did that in our slum. We refunded people that didn't like our lashes. Thankfully, it rarely, almost never happened. But it's how we roll. But that said, for those of you who are listening, you're like, well, you guys really seem like you're bagging on the trainers and bagging on me, and I'm pretty pissed off and I don't like you. I don't think they're thinking about that. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But here's the thing: I want you to stop. The biggest thing I think is the scarcity mentality. That's the one I want to hit off of and say that idea that you have, what you feel like, well, if I give it away, then what am I going to have to sell? We have nothing. I'm not going to be able to make a living, and I get it. But here's the thing, guys: the other big fear that they have is that someone's going to copy them and take it, right, and do it themselves. Guess what, guys? They will. 
And we just have yep. to get over that. Let go that people are going to copy you and take your content and do it. By the way, where did you get all your content from? I mean, really, you went and learned from someone else and then you sat down, you wrote your manual and then you taught it because someone taught you. That's how trainers and learners and mentors and that works is you replicate yourself. You get other people to become you and teach others to propagate that idea. And so let's stop worrying that someone is going to somehow copy you and teach it. They're not going to be you. They're not going to steal you. They can just steal some information. So that's the thing I wanted to say to those trainers out there. They're afraid that, oh, if I give them the book or if they take pictures or if they record my seminar with they're their gonna phone, steal it. they're going to steal all my stuff. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to go broke and be like, no, that's not going to happen. No, we have a saying, the pie is big enough. There's a piece enough for all of us. We can all get fed. There's enough eyeballs out there for all of us to make a living. Yeah. There's enough for all of us to eat. So you can give it away, you can train, and, and it'll be okay. You'll be all right. I mean, truth is, I wish I could say every idea that we teach is something we originally came up with, and it's just not true. I mean, I think the glue stuff, Tuss, is actually pretty much – you've written a lot of, I say, original content for that. But when it comes to a lot of other stuff, we're just – taking all the books and podcasts and informations and trains and pouring them into our minds and then reiterating it back to you. And, and in fact, I think you even shared once, like, I'm going to take the class. Is it okay if I take some of the stuff I get from you? I'm like, yeah, take it. Share with others. So Multiply other people, it. You know, may may it come back to yeah. us, you know? Actually, I think this is like, you know, a good time for me to share some of like the most inspiring story to me. Mm-hmm. It's all about around that. I don't want to, you know, go into because I'm recently read like, you know, the book, This is Innovation mm-hmm. by Matt Ridley. If anyone's looking for a book recommendation and wanting to understand how innovation works and how revolutions of ideas work, amazing book. But what I wanted to share here is that innovation never happens because of an individual. Mm. Unfortunately, we live in a society where we tend to only give that credit to the person who came up with the idea. Yeah. So for example, Thomas Edison did not invent the light bulb. No. You know, it's actually a collective effort. That's why innovation always happened in a hut. Innovation is always geographic. It's because it takes people bouncing ideas and mimicking each other's ideas and riffing off each other's ideas. That's the same way, like in the book, they talk about how chlorine came about, you know, how vaccine came about. All of these ideas, these great innovations that saved humanity didn't come from an individual, but came from a collective effort. Yeah, I think the Impressionists from the front in, the, in France, all those Impressionists were in the same area community, pushing each other yeah. to do new kind of art. So that way the Impressionists are who they are. I mean, it's amazing. Without yeah. that community of people, we would have never had Van Gogh and, and Monet and all those other guys. So you're right. A, a documentary series, I don't know if it's still out. Remember what? Connections? Oh, connections. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'll recommend it. I don't know if it's still out there. It was on PBS. And they literally do what you just said. They show you the beginning of the show. It says, here is the uh, a coffee cup, let's just say, really simple. And then they say, how did this come into being? And it wasn't because one person. It says, this coffee cup started in 900 B.C., and, and then yeah. they, they will go through and explain how 900 BC, this first idea of coffee came to being. And uh, cup's kind of lame one, but we'll just say it's some high technology. And they show you how this idea was like 1,500 years ago is where the concept of this began. And over the last 1,500 years, new people kept contributing to the puzzle until finally reached 1980 and we have the Apple computer. And it's because mm-hmm. of all these past contributors. But you're right. It wasn't Steve yeah. Jobs who invented it. It was 
a hundred oh. other people who contributed over the years yeah. that the wealth of knowledge that came together and that only happens yeah. when you share the information that's why i'm super passionate about sharing the information because as an optimist who wants to see this future to be this like amazing technologically advanced future this is what it takes i think this is where i found my why and my passion mm -hmm. I know everyone's gonna be like, "Oh my god!" But lashes—it's not my passion. I know, actually. All right, you're done. That's uh, not end my the passion. Show. <laughs> what is yeah. your passion, my dear? My passion is to be able to share with people a very, very, very optimistic view of the future, mm. where we, we can generously share, and with those sharing, we can evolve to a humanity or a future that you can't even imagine or grasp within your imagination currently because people in the 1700s would have never imagined what it's like to have internet. They would have never yeah. imagined what it's like to have cars or what it's like to go to space. So this last story that I wanted to tell is always, I always end with Elon Musk. <laughs> I don't know how much, you know, you guys know about Elon Musk and Tesla. Oh, so Elon Musk's mission is to make the gas car obsolete to make mm -hmm. the world a cleaner place yep. to have electric car and he knew because this is where i what i mean when someone's intention and their action aligns mm -hmm. right because his intention is to make gas car obsolete and it's to make a world a cleaner place to have um, more electric car he knew in order to do that it takes honda to make electric car it takes bmw to make electric car and it takes hyundai to make electric car for that very reason, Elon Musk didn't patent any of the technology in wow. Tesla. He opened it up for free so that anyone who is willing to build an electric car has access to these information. So that's why now we have electric cars by every single company. And I think that we're looking at a future 30 years from now where gas cars could actually be obsolete. And that takes decentralizing or deregulating mm -hmm. education or knowledge. We discussed it in the last episode how, you know, if I could, I would like to be in the tech industry. I like to, you know, have a startup in the Silicon Valley. But, you know, that world, it's full of people who already knows the power of knowledge, mm -hmm. knows the power of abundance mindset, knows all of this. Yeah. So whereas I feel like I can maybe do more by spreading this message here that maybe not a lot of you are probably listening to startup podcasts. Not a lot of you are probably reading these super nerdy books and have a, a boyfriend who is super into like, you know, high level philosophy who just completely shattered my worldviews, you know, and I wanted to use my voice and my platform to share these worldview, these very, very optimistic worldview that I believe would also shatter your worldview to make you not want to live any other way but this way. I love it, especially in this day and age. I think where people need a little hope. I think that is an awesome message. I mean, I just think about high tech and the term open source, which I'm yeah. sure you're familiar with. I mean, literally, guys, if you don't know what open source is in Silicon Valley or developers, what they do is they write code and then they Ooh. give it to everyone. And it's they literally say, look, here is the software. It does all these things. And do I'm what you want with it. Do what the you genie want with it. is out of the bottle. You can make this genie work for you, work for your company, work for yeah. new ideas. And it's because we want the whole world to grow. We realize that the way it's going to improve our world is we share information. Now, of course, they have proprietary things that they do that they can only do where they make their money. I mean, but they still do put this code out there. There's forums. There's places where you can download the, the code and just implement it into your software. And you don't have to write a lick. And it's really amazing. 
It's really something unique. And by the way, these companies are making hundreds of millions of dollars on these people, right? These yeah, are high tech they're companies. like unicorn companies, yeah, you know, so. like, you know, in the hundreds, trillions, some of them. Yeah. And it didn't come from this scarcity mindset. It came from this abundance mindset. And also, most importantly, they know how to play the game, the, the infinite game, not mm, the finite game. Yeah. So the finite game would be, you know, thinking there's only set, some certain set of eyeballs to go around. There's only some certain numbers of students to go around. But the infinite game is to know that there's infinite yeah. numbers of students and, you know, customers and resources. And most importantly, to me, selfish reason why i do this is because it's fun for me for us to shoot videos we have all these ideas like we're right now we just start our weekly business video which we're really excited yeah. to do but we also want to do a weekly it'll be just a goofball video i don't know what to call it yet oh i love those doing just some fun things because the truth is that's this that's just the joy in life we just get silly and let loose for a little bit and that's something that's coming down the pipeline too which will hopefully be encouraging yeah I'm going to plug our secondary Instagram page here a little bit yeah, you because should. as you're speaking about this goofball thing, uh, Paul, obviously you've seen the videos. Yeah. So for those of you who just want some lighthearted humor and just to watch maybe Cheryl fall <laughs> because I could not conquer gravity, yeah. um, you would know what I mean when you see the video. But we actually created a secondary page because I've told my team that I want you guys to dedicate 10% of your work hour into a passion project. And that's how Post-it came about. That's how Google Map came about. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what UA is going to create, but I wanted to give them that freedom. Mm. So Coco and our team decided that she wanted to start a secondary account because she really wanted to look into video editing because that's a passion of hers that she's discovering. And so we started this account called UA.AfterHour. So you can find us at UA.AfterHour. It's just bloopers funny videos. If you want me to serenade you boys to men, you definitely need to follow. So it's not after hours. Like it's not adult material. Like I'll sing no. after hours. Come on, Paul. <laughs> this is a family show. This is a family show. Exactly. You get to see Phil in a, in a thong. It's really cool. No. <laughs> you do see Phil, but I don't know about in a thong. I don't think Phil would ever give me ever, ever did that to him. No. Okay, well, that's good. It is something that, like, you know, for a laugh. Yeah. And that's what I want. I want people to know that not only, you know, we're an educational company that really cares deeply about education, we take customer service very seriously, but we also just want to have fun. We're like four goofballs that just having a ton of fun. So can people follow you on that or is it a secret? No, it's a public account. Uh, we actually want people to follow because it would motivate Coco to make more content. <laughs> so she what's... bought a whole entire stabilizer just Ooh. so that she can capture moments of me. Um, it's hilarious. One time I spilled a whole entire cup of coffee Aww. in Home Depot and then we just captured me like literally on my knees like mopping the floor at Home Depot. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Let's yeah. first, I want to get into something, one last thing before we release everyone back to their regular life here. Cheryl has some exciting stuff coming up and that's ah. one of the reasons why we want to have Cheryl on was first talk about this but also because she is, uh, their company's got exciting news. So why don't you share us yeah. what's coming up? Okay, so in celebration of our one year, which is November 15th, we are actually creating a huge launch around um, one of our soon-to-come product. By the time you guys heard this, this product have already soft launch, and but 
in November, we are officially launching our pre-made fans. But what I want to tell you, I, obviously you know it's pre-made fan, but I'm leaving you with a little bit of tease, is that we have completely reimagined the way you would use these pre-made fans. We've actually worked with engineers on some of the stuff. I don't want to get into too much detail, but yes, these are going to be high quality pre-made fans that you will love, which you already start to see some of it in the industry already. But, you know, true to the Nash nerd philosophy, we decided to go above and beyond and kind of reimagine the functionality of how you can use these pre-made fans. I think I'm super, super excited. Going back to this, when we were talking about, you know, well, designers, should we patent or sign a contract for the intellectual property? I said, no. Why? What's the point? But we are setting the bar kind of high for you guys. And what I want you guys to stay tuned for is the launch. So those of you who might have not followed us during our first launch in November, if you haven't, I want you to go back and watch our launch video if you want some <laughs> laugh because they are some of the funniest thing ever. But at UA, we don't take our launches lightly. We take them seriously and we celebrate them seriously and we like to bring you guys along. So I have something really special planned for you guys, which I can't give away too much, but when it comes time, you will know um, the best way to stay in touch is to make sure you subscribe to our email list. Um, you know, we're not those annoying people who will bombard your email with sales. We actually will give you a lot of tips and tricks, give you sign up to our webinars, replace our webinars. Um, and also, even when we're selling to you, we're going to do it in language that's so fun that's going to brighten your day. So even if you don't buy it, you can at least open the email and get a good laugh. Awesome. That's awesome. And that's, I will yeah, say that I will verify that that is true. Uh, they do have a very fun voice and they're really unique. And well, they're just, I mean, you listen to Cheryl, it's just a reflection of who Cheryl is. And you've done, I think, a good job of downloading your DNA and the, your fellow teammates who work with you and help you with everything. Oh, so thanks. you've done a good job. Yeah. So, I think that is because I found the right people that all share the same values. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's just like you look for your ideal client, you also have to find what we call the ideal team player, right? Someone that's going to work in your team. So that's another whole other thing one day maybe we can talk about. But Yes, so, one day. Yeah, but we will have to have you back again, of course, because we just love really you. think the world of you. Aww. And uh, we could talk I love forever. talking to you guys. Yeah, and uh, I don't even think we probably cut everything about the industry, but hopefully people, if you're listening, you got a little something, hopefully a little encouragement, maybe some mm -hmm. ideas of what to be looking for. And if you are thinking about training, hopefully take some of these mm -hmm. encouragements to move that way and to see what we can do to continue the let's race do it together yeah. yes and if you yeah. guys if anybody listening has thoughts and as just feels compelled to to reach out to us paul and tess at lashcast or, or yeah. cheryl mm -hmm. at untamed artistry i know that we're all open to hearing anything if, yeah. if we've said anything that you disagree with let's yeah. talk absolutely i've learned a lot more in this year to really communicate and talk to people and not just mm -hmm. type a message and be done with it but actually reach out to people and have conversations and it's helped us learn and grow and be better i think hopefully what we do and i think the same thing will hopefully we can have that conversation with training and encourage people yeah so, so if you feel mm -hmm. led yeah. just reach out to us and we'll we'll chat absolutely well thank you cheryl otherwise we'll do this again have a thank you so much yes. love you i love talking to you guys <laughs> so much fun <laughs>
And that wraps up the show. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at The Last Cast Podcast and at The Last Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Inspiration, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Cheryl Pang, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. Remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.